Doubtle dealt black speech. The sun was a brilliant orange, shining brightly on the eastern horizon. Lapping water splashed around the stern of a boat as it sailed swiftly through the silent waters of the ocean of Lamad. Jetvarn had never felt more alive. Sea spray hit his face, and he pushed back his wet black hair out of his eyes. He smiled cunningly as he stood on the prow of the ship. He wore leather armor and a light battle harness. Light boots and long black pants covered his body, and he bore no weapons but his dagger. He didn't need anything but his dagger. From the deck below, a man called out, My lord! Jetvarn turned and looked down, eyes narrowing. We're only half a league out from Little Cove, my lord, he spoke, twirling his fingers about nervously. Good, Jetvarn replied, beginning to turn away. My lord, the sailor followed cautiously. What? snapped Jetvarn without turning, clearly annoyed. Well, began the sailor, we don't usually... We don't... Yes, drawled Jetvarn impatiently. Uh, us folks at the breach, we don't sail out past the wall, my lord. What? said Jetvarn through clenched teeth, slowly spinning to face the sailor. The sailor's face grew pale, and he tried to lessen the blow. Uh, but I'd be happy to, to stop the, the little island up there, and um, you could... Yes? said Jetvarn's teeth still clenched as he slowly paced towards the sailor, his boots clicking on the wooden deck. You could row out to the cove, my lord, if it's no problem. No problem? questioned Jetvarn bluntly as he stared coldly into the sailor's eyes. Then a smile appeared on his face and he chuckled. No, of course it's no problem, my good man, he said, clapping the sailor on the shoulder. The sailor's face was confused and frightened, but he tried to force a smile and laughed as best he could as Jetvarn turned away from him. It happened before the sailor knew what was going on. The next thing he knew, his back was slammed against the railing of the ship, and for a second he thought he would fall overboard. But Jetvarn's hand grasped him firmly by the collar, nearly choking him. Jetvarn's face less than an inch away from his. The smile and laughter wiped from his face. The sailor could smell blood in the man's breath. Jetvarn spoke, barely a whisper, his mouth pressed to the sailor's ear. Don't you dare try me, he growled. I would kill you now, but I'm in a bargaining mood. He pulled the sailor away from the railing and let him go. The poor man's face was ghostly white. He opened his mouth as if to speak, but no sound came out. Jetvarn pulled a, long, a large black pouch from his belt and threw it at the man's feet. The sailor scurried and picked it up. The bag was full of gold. Gold Jadvarn had stolen from the fort. And there was a lot more where that came from. He smiled to himself. The sailor was taken aback. My lord? He started. But before he could finish, Jadvarn cut in. Take me to the cove, he said. The sailor was terrified and torn. Now, said Jadvarn sternly. The man looked around. M my lord, he started, clearly about to give an excuse. Sorry, that was your last chance, and the man was dead, Jetvarn's knife deep in his heart. Removing the knife, Jetvarn wiped it on, the sh on his shirt and sheathed it. He then reached down and, and pulled the bag of gold from the dead man's hand before tossing the body overboard. Jetvarn walked away, back towards the stern of the boat, his face covered in that smile that only killing gave him. He wrapped his fingers around the wheel and began to steer the ship towards the land of Venok.
The streets of Duman were busy. All around, merchants and traders bustled about selling and purchasing goods, and some simply passing through, heading towards their homes in the lower levels of the city. In the upper sections of the great hallway, a mysterious figure, hooded and cloaked, made his way through towards the crystal, the crystal pavilion. Beggars called out in the streets as he passed by, his cloak snapping quickly between reaching fingers. As the traveler reached the bottom steps of the pavilion's first wall, the immense structure before him blocked out the gleaming rays of the afternoon sun. The sky was a pale gray as the sun crept through the sky, soft clouds blowing briskly through the air. At the base of the steps, the man was stopped. Two guards on either side stepped to block his path, long pikes raised, shielding their forms. Each guard also bore a blue helm upon their brow, and their breasts were set with armor of some strong metal. Probably let fresca, he guessed, considering their gleam and the high status of the guards, their postures clearly projecting authority. Identification, one stated bluntly. The man looked up. Beneath his hood, his green eyes flickered. Taking a deep breath, Lord Kethvar of the land of Calliopa drew back his hood. In the late afternoon, his green eyes sparkled mischievously. He had brown hair, short cut and brushed forward, as was the look of many Calliopians. I am Lord Dracon Kethvar of Calliopa, good sir. Now, if you don't mind, I have some urgent business to discuss with your queen. The queen's dead, countered the guard. His Majesty Hradas is now king. Dracon was taken aback. He had not been expecting this, especially so soon after the death of the former king. Taking this in, he spoke once more. Well, I suppose I'll have to speak with him then, won't I? The guards looked at each other for a few seconds before the latter of the two spoke. Remove your weapons. Dracon smiled and reached to his belt and be to begin unbuckling the long sword that hung there. He removed it and handed it gently to the guard on the left, mumbling something about not losing it and took a step forward, intending to walk up the stairs towards the palace. An arm reached out and stopped him once more. The guard looked intently into Lord Kethfar's eyes. All... Your weapons, sir. Dracon looked coldly at the guard. Now he was annoyed. He slowly reached down and slipped the long silver knife from his back waistline. He spun the knife in his fingers and flipped it to the other guard, a large fake smile on his lips. Still, the guard's arms lingered. That's it, he stated calmly. That's it, he said once more with a little more emphasis. And he meant it. Those really were all the weapons he'd brought. He'd simply been annoyed to hand over the knife, as it was an old family heirloom he didn't feel like leaving with a stranger. Hesitantly, the guards lowered their arms. Placing his hood back over his face, Dracon gave a slight nod to each of the guards before proceeding to make his way up the stone steps. King Hradas sat alone. His study was dark, the only light coming from a slit between the closed draperies. Radas sat lost in thought, the cold metal band of the sun crown pressed against his brow. Presently, he lifted his hand and pulled a quill from a nearby bottle of ink. A light breeze blew through the room from the open window behind the drapes, causing papers to flutter and one or two to fly from the desk and onto the floor. For a few seconds, Radas hesitated, the quill hovering an inch or so above the page. A drop of ink fell from the sharp tip of the quill and fell with a small splat upon the paper. Slowly, Hradas lowered the tip of the quill to the page, and in, a, and in a few brisk strokes he began to write. 
He wrote with a scrawling print, one clearly recognizable by anyone who knew him well, at all. Most of those people are dead, he thought to himself. Suddenly, a loud knock sounded at the chamber door, a hearty bang resonating off the metal plating of the door. Any other man would have jumped, but Fradas didn't flinch. In fact, he didn't even look up from the page. Come in, he called calmly. At this, the large door began to swing slowly inward, stopping with a dull thud as it hit the doorstop. I've been expecting you, spoke Radas to the man in the doorway without looking up. The cloaked figure in the doorway stepped into the room, the guards behind him. You have? questioned Drakan. I have. You knew I was coming? spoke Drakan with confusion. I had a feeling, Radas said, and for the first time he looked up, his pale blue eyes shimmering. Please sit, he said with a small smile, briefly motioning for the guards to depart. One seemed about to protest, but a sharp flick of Radas's eye in that direction, the guards were scurrying out of the chamber, closing the door behind them. Lord Kethfar took a seat in the chair opposite the desk from Radas, pulling his green hood back to reveal his sharp features. He was good-looking as men go, a chiseled chin, a high brow, his nose slightly bent, indicating it had been broken at some point. Across the desk from him, Hradas's eyes seemed to gleam from out of the darkness of the dim room like small orbs of energy floating in the air. Leaning back, Hradas crossed his fingers and stared intently at Drakan for several moments, their eyes locked in absolute silence save for the slight rustle of the wind throughout the room. Finally, Drakan spoke, quietly clearing his throat before proceeding. <clears throat> My lord, I bring word from Calliope. Hradas didn't speak. Some scouts have just returned a few days ago, he continued. They brought back some startling news. Radas nodded, nodded his head to indicate he was listening. Your Majesty, began Lord Kethfar, my lord, they saw what lives beyond the mountains. A crow flew silently through the air, its black feathers ruffled in the high wind. It uttered a sharp screech as it landed, perching on the mast of Jadvarn's ship. The sky was dark and smoke-filled. Jatvarn's fingers were white-knuckled as he steered the large, white oak ship into the dark waters of the little cove. Smoke obscured his immediate view in a dull haze. At his right, a small, jagged rock outcropping jutted out, the boat barely missing its jagged spikes. All was deathly silent as the prow of the boat thumped into the land. Jatvarn took several minutes to lower the anchor. He couldn't see far from the edge of the shore, barely two hundred feet. To his left, the great wall loomed tall and mighty, its solid metal surface a cold, black, metallic shine. Cautiously, Jatvarn left the ship, stepping onto the ash-smitten rock as he exited the ramp. The silence was oppressive, the squawking crow long gone. This place really is death, he thought. He liked that. He smiled ever so slightly. All the same, he could not help but shiver. Everything about it was a shade of gray. No color seemed to be present in the land. Silently, he slipped his golden knife from his belt and studied it once more, its golden color displaced in this black place. As he walked forward towards a patch of rocks up ahead, he once again studied the strange symbol on the knife. A strange curved X with a bent arm, almost like an arrow. He now noticed an inscription below the symbol he hadn't seen before, as it was painted in the same color as the rest of the knife, and it could only be found easily by touch. Straining his eyes, he made out that it said, 
Salzelakdur, Kalime ofe wehakturums, Kalime ofe demakdur, Kanilka ofe livakdur. Jetvarn read this over several times, but couldn't make much sense of it. His lessons of the ancient tongue had long since passed. He could make out the words master and creator, but other than that, he was oblivious to the meaning of the inscription. He was about to slip the knife back into his belt when abruptly he was thrown through the air and crashed into a nearby rock. Jetvarn leapt to his feet, brandishing his knife in his right hand, his back pressed against the stone. The creatures were all around him. They formed a circle around him in the rock. They were horrible. Their, their eyes peeled back into wide, open holes, orange and red in color, their pupils small and menacing. All around Jetvarn they crept, crawling on all fours, long fingers brushing silently through the rocky dirt. Their skin was a dull gray, covered in the all-consuming ash of the land. Gaping maws revealed great long teeth extending nearly to the back of their skulls. Their teeth clacked together noisily, making the before deathly silent land into a buzz of infernal clicking. And still more came. More and more swarming out of the rocks and mountains, holes and hills. Some, Chatvan realized, had been sitting very near to him, so silent he hadn't noticed, but all the time watching. How had he been so foolish? Jetvarn's lips were a thin line, his brow furrowed, and beads of sweat on his forehead and his black hair. He tried to remain calm, to center himself the way his old masters had taught him. The creatures swarmed closer, and suddenly they stopped moving, and only the constant chattering of their huge teeth could be heard. They didn't move any closer, their red-orange eyes fixed on the newcomer. Jetvarn closed his eyes, taking four slow, deep breaths. Then his eyes flicked open, his pupils dilated. He focused his gaze on the filthy creatures, hundreds of them. They stared back, many cocking their heads, and still their fangs went on chattering. Then one leapt, diving straight for Jetvar, long claws extended as it pounced. But he was ready. Sliding under the creature, he instantly changed, his blades slicing upwards and stabbing at the creature in his stomach. A terrible odor filled the air as an orange liquid poured from the dead beast. He turned to look, turning his bulk towards the carcass, his paws batting the ground quietly. Then the rest of them came on. Jetvarn spun, leaping to meet the first few, great paws beating away many single-handedly. Orange liquid sprayed as the clackers were thrown about, but there were too many. Slowly the creatures began to bring the tiger down, their teeth and claws ripping into his sides and spraying blood. The tiger struggled, struggled and gave a burst of energy to regain his footing. But then the creatures began to swarm over the rock above him, and his vision soon went black as the clackers piled on top of him. Just as Jatvarn felt himself beginning to slip into a misty darkness, a sudden final urge struck him. The urge was so strong he could not control it. From the deep vocals of the great dying tiger, a bellowing scream issued. Many of the creatures were startled and leapt off, but it made no difference. But then, slowly and methodically, a chant-like speech came from the tiger's maw. Sal zilakdur, kalime afe wehakdurams, kalime afe demakdur, kanilka afe libakdur. As the last guttural sound echoed from the tiger's mouth, a thunderous boom echoed through the sky, and in an explosion of energy the beasts were thrown from the tiger, smashing into rocks and scampering away. And as Jetvarn closed his eyes, his body began to shift back, and a deep black haze obscured his blurring vision.
Jetvarn coughed. He spluttered, choking on the ash-ridden air. All around, the dark land of Venok lay, leaching its toxic fumes into his lungs. His muscles ached. It felt as though constrictor snakes were squeezing tighter and tighter around his limbs. What had happened? he thought. How had he made the creatures go away? He coughed again, trying to remember. Slowly, Jedvarn opened his eyes. He was so startled he almost blacked out once more. Standing above him was a tall figure, a pale, gleaming robe about him. His face was dark and stern, though. Wispy hair flowed from behind his head. He spoke in a raspy, commanding voice. Arise! Thou hath proved thyself! He extended a bony, gnarled hand to Jadvarn. Taking it, he was pulled to his feet. The man, if human he was, was extremely strong. Standing, Jadvarn almost toppled once more, but he found his footing and raised his eyes to meet those of the stranger. His eyes were pure black, with no whites and no color. Jadvarn cringed and thought of running, but thought better of it. Then he thought of stabbing the man, and it was at this that Jetvarn realized he no longer had his dagger. He spun, searching the ground furiously for the knife. Suddenly, from behind him, the stranger snapped his fingers, and Jetvarn snapped back to attention, his back straight and eyes fixed to those of the stranger. He tried to move, but found he couldn't. He was paralyzed, frozen in position by the stranger's gaze. The eyes were like black pits, wells of pain, full of memory. They were strangely hypnotic, and Jetvarn felt his head beginning to spin and grow foggy ever so slightly. Thou hast proved thyself, repeated the stranger. Ukaklet Kalima. Jetvarn didn't know what the stranger meant, but he could not he could not move. Ukaklet Kalima, he said again, you are the master. Then from behind his back the stranger drew Jetvarn's knife. Only then did Jetvarn remember the inscription and how it had repelled the creatures. How had he known to say it? He did not know. It had been almost involuntary. But now the stranger held the knife, and he brought it close before his face, his dark eyes still fixed on Jetvarn. Mixaziluk, he said, running a finger down the inscription on the hilt beneath the symbol. Black speech. The words sprung into Jetvarn's head without having to think about it. How had he known that? Mixes you look, said the stranger, and he plunged the knife into Jatvarn's heart. The blade was ice cold as it pierced his skin, like a bolt of freezing lightning striking him in the heart. Immediately the spell was released and Jatvarn fell to the floor, writhing and squirming, his arms grasping about in vain, fingers flailing over stones and earth. Spittle began to spray from his mouth, and beneath his skin his veins were visible. The blood inside was black and murky the poison pumping throughout his body. Jetvarn's vision began to go dark, his world collapsing in on itself, and the pain was so immense. His, his entire body screamed, blood vessels burst, and black blood flowed in. His very skin began to turn a dull shade of gray as his neat black hair turned to ghostly white. Let Kalima, whispered the stranger from above, the master. Finally, Jadvarn's writhing stopped. He lay unmoving in the rocky earth, the gray clouds of Venok rolling overhead. The stranger didn't move. The great black pits were fixed on Jadvarn. Suddenly, in an audible gasp, Jadvarn sat straight up. 
He sat for several seconds before standing to face the stranger. His eyes were a pitch black, a void of darkness impenetrable by light, the life sucked from them. Niak let Kalima, spoke he in a rumbling voice. I am the master. 